Hello and welcome to the Seems Legit Podcast, hosted by your favorite craft beer drinking, whiskey sipping, bourbon appreciating, sushi eating, steak craving, speedo wearing, tell it like it is, poker playing guitarist, the dude himself, the dude Sonny D. I want to thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast. If you aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the dude Sonny D. Uh, all right, so I guess last time we talked poker, um, it was pretty interesting. Uh, Doug Polk had about a million ship, a uh, million ship, million dollar lead. It's a cash challenge. A million dollar lead on Daniel Negreanu, uh going uh, into last week or the end of last week. Uh, it looked like it was smooth sailing for Doug, and uh, at that point, I think a lot of people might have been thinking. I know I was. How you know how crazy is this going to get? Is Doug going to keep his foot on the gas? Is he going to keep putting the pressure on Daniel? Is he going to, pardon me, have more blowout victories? Is it going to get worse and worse for Mr. Negreanu um, against Doug? Uh, many people had felt going into this matchup that Doug was a heavy favorite, heads up, especially online. Uh, he was living up to this. And then things kind of changed. And then things kind of took an interesting twist. With just about... You know, 20% of the hands left in this 25,000 hand challenge. Doug Polk has seen his lead evaporate by nearly half. Uh, over the last, I guess, three or four sessions, Doug has actually watched his lead go from over a million to now just over half a million to $565,708.96. I don't know where the fuck the 96 cents comes from, but nonetheless, um, We've seen his lead diminish by nearly half. Interesting, interesting stuff happening here uh, in terms of poker, in terms of this rivalry, in terms of this challenge, uh, which is kind of interesting. I guess Daniel was, uh, he had a big couple of sessions. Um, so I guess, where was it? So on Friday, Daniel won almost $400,000. Uh, he won three hundred ninety. Uh, then on Monday, he won just short of 47000 um, And I guess at the highest point, Doug had been up uh, just over a million at a $1,002,595. Um, so now to watch that sh- shrink to 565000 uh, Now let's see here. Was this after... Now I'm just trying to find something else here. So yeah, 46854 Yeah, okay. So Monday, I guess, was the last time they played. I guess they took... Uh, today uh, or yesterday off I'm not sure um, but nonetheless a lot of the talk has been uh, and I guess there was an interview done with Daniel Negreanu where he basically said like Doug's shutting down uh, I guess trying to incite Doug to open up again but basically what happened is rather than just playing true kind of let's play to win kind of style it was Doug started to play a little defense especially after losing two big sessions like that it started to be about the defense. It started to be all about the limping in, trying to um, minimize the damage here. Uh, I think it caught a lot of people by surprise, myself included, how Daniel was able to uh, kind of claw back into this challenge, especially taking a huge session from Mr. Polk. Um, However, uh, it is what it is. Uh, We can sit here and talk and say oh maybe doug wasn't right maybe he should have just still been playing the way he has been playing this is part of the challenge this is part of any kind of competitive thing it's about the win at the end i've said it before i you know i've said it 
countless times on this podcast. It's like when people come up and would ask me when I was in university, hey, are you ready for the exam tomorrow at 1 o'clock and it's 9 a.m. the day before? I'd say it doesn't matter whether I'm ready. The answer, fine, fuck it. The answer is no, I'm not ready. Oh, man, how are you going to get ready? Well, look, I don't need to be ready now. I need to be ready at 1 p.m. tomorrow. Same thing here. It doesn't matter if you hold a million dollar lead after the first thousand hands, after the first 10,000 hands. It's where you stand at hand 25,000. Um, it's still crazy that these guys are actually playing out 25,000 hands. Uh, it was no different than the Galfon challenge, his first one, when he played Venaviti, and I covered that and talked about that. Uh, same thing there. Uh, he was down almost a million euros. A lot of people thought, like, holy smokes, how is Phil Galfond going to come back? Uh, went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Galfond had clawed away, taking a slight lead. Then Venaviti came back, took back a lead. Uh, and then finally on the last day, last few hands, um, there's been, you know, deciding how many exactly they were going to play out at the end. Uh, Galfond took a slim, slim, slim lead at the end. Uh, to win that one, uh, and I guess he just completed another challenge, um, beating Chance Corneth, I believe. Uh, we'll c talk about that later. Uh, but again, it matters where you are at the end. After losing, I can't say I'd be any different than Doug was in this case. Here we are, we're going, we're playing, my opponent has, you know, I've been slaughtering my opponent, I have this big lead. With an interesting amount of hands left. Um, I think at the time I said there was about 30 quarters of the hands had been played last time we had talked about this. Uh, so there's about a quarter of the hands left. Um, again, it's an interesting thing because if you're getting on the right side of big pots, if you're getting on the right side of the big flips, then yeah, of course, you're happy to be playing that strategy. You're happy that things are working out for you. On the other hand, it's about finishing strong as well. And I talked about how there could be some lead preservation tactics being used by Doug, especially with the size of the lead he has, especially what we saw what happened last year um, with Phil Galfon versus Venaviti. Um, and I don't know if there's any talk of as to who Venaviti is. I don't know if that's been discovered or not. And all the mystery surrounding Mr. Venaviti, but or I miss, I don't know what what what's known about Venaviti, but after seeing what happened there, I can imagine and I would understand that there is a certain amount of lead preservation that needs to be uh, employed by uh, Doug. I also think too, it's you know, and Daniel kind of talked about this is how he changed up his strategy on that. Um, session there where he won the nearly 400,000 in that he did play a more aggressive style. He did want to employ a little more variance just to get, you know, open your opponent up a little bit. Um, make them kind of maybe make some mistakes. Make them get into some uncomfortable situations. Um, oftentimes, and when, yeah, when you talk about poker strategies, your opponents don't always have flushes. They don't always have sets. They don't always have the nuts. Um, so when you start to try and employ some strategies that are going to incorporate and expand the variance of their holdings and the runouts, then yes, um, it opens up the chance to maybe uh, claw away at the lead. Um, it could also open you up to just expand the lead even further, um, where I don't know, maybe if Doug had been on the other end of that session, you know, if he had picked up another 400,000 win, now taken his lead to a million and a half with about 20% of the hands left, who knows where Daniel would have finished. Um, would he have been able, you know, would he have maybe conceded? Would he have just said, you know what, a million and a half, it, this, uh, you know what, let's just stop the bleeding, I concede, you win, whatever, fuck it. Um, 
because this swing now, it now makes things interesting. Employing just kind of almost like a sound strategy to just be a great heads up play, it, it would I think it would have been tough for Daniel to try and overcome the lead at that rate. I think he had to take a big risk in order to just kind of make it competitive, kind of an all or nothing. And he talked about that. He kind of said, hey, look, you know, you can either kind of roll over and die and just kind of play it out and try to minimize the damage, claw away and see if you can chip away and then just lose by less, or can we go for it and try and win it all here? Uh, it's gonna be interesting as Doug, I think, will continue to play a very defense-oriented strategy. Not really try to get into too many sticky situations where he himself doesn't have premium holdings, where he himself uh, doesn't really have chances to win the pot. Uh, I don't think he's going to take too many risks um, to let Daniel back in this match. I don't really think he has to. Why would you? Uh, I think it would be easier to criticize if he did employ that kind of strategy, saying, oh yeah, I just want to keep going, I want to keep trying to slaughter him. No, you have the big lead, retain it. Even if you only win by 100,000, if you win by half a million, if you win by a million, pick your spots, chip away, rebuild that lead. It's not out of the realm of possibility for Doug to rebuild this lead back to over a million again, especially as I do feel um, there is a bit of a time crunch now and a hand crunch on Daniel to try and recover and win back um, some of his losses here. Um, the only way he's going to do that, yeah, is to try and expand and open uh, Doug up two big pots. Uh, and, and and some people had talked about, and I've read kind of what other people's analysis have been in terms of you know you have to get these matches going longer or these sessions longer uh, just to get them deeper stacked in order to have more chips in play. Uh, so what that means is they each buy in with a fixed buy-in caps. They each buy in for forty thousand, um, and the longer the sessions go, uh, what that will do is typically um, their stacks will get bigger. Meaning there's more money in play. Uh, you're going to see bigger pots. You know, an all-in now gives someone eighty thousand. Uh, an all-in one basically on the, on the first buy-ins. Now there's a you know to rebuy in. Now there's a hundred twenty thousand um, dollars in play. Another buy-in. You know, you keep expanding it, keep expanding it. Now you have 160000 Um, They're playing two tables. So if you can get both tables to be a couple of buy-ins deep on one person's side or both people's sides, well, now all of a sudden you've added an additional 80, 120, you know, so on and so forth um, money on into the game. You, you know, by deepening those stacks, you can get those bigger pots. And it's going to... I would imagine is where Daniel's going to want to go with this. Um, if I was in his corner coaching him, I would kind of say, like, this is kind of where you have to go with this. We just don't have the hands on our side right now. Like, we don't... To play the waiting game here, I don't know that's going to work, especially in No Limit Hold'em. It's not like they're playing mixed games. It's not like they're playing, you know, a higher variance game like Pot Limit Omaha. Um, they're playing No Limit Hold'em, um, where, you know, you can just run into long stretches of just shit hands. Uh, so I think people need to remember a couple of things too. It's not like Daniel Negreanu is a slouch. He did win a scoop, I believe it was a couple of years ago. One scoop, um, it might have been a high roll event. Whatever it was, he has one on. You know, he does have some degree of online success, not to the same credentials as Doug Polk. Um, but it's not like Daniel Negreanu is a slouch. This is a guy with a wide breadth of poker knowledge. Um, can strategize, can come up with game plans. I'm sure he's got great people in his corner helping him out, um, whatever it might be. 
um, to try and chip away. And again, I don't want to get too big into a narrative here where I'm hoping Daniel comes back or that I hope Doug crushes him. I'm just talking about what could happen here. Uh, when you look at the Doug Polk side of it, I guess maybe there's a little bit of regrouping and a little bit of retooling here. And I think, again, it's we need to slow down Daniel's momentum, we need to stop the bleeding, and we need to just kind of chip away um, and not let him get back in and kind of let the clock work against him. It's kind of now like a football uh, quarterback managing the clock at the end of the game. Uh, something I always felt a guy like a Peyton Manning was probably the best at in his day of managing the game clock. Uh, of just like letting that, of just knowing how to work it so that basically, even in tight games, you can just run your opponents out of time. I would try to employ a strategy like that here, um, especially after that big win. Uh, I think they're playing again today. We'll see how that session goes. But I imagine for any of you tuning into today's action, that would be something you're going to see a lot of out of Doug Polk. A lot of that, hey, let's slow the bleeding down here. Let's just try to keep it minimum. Let's try to win hands, um, whether it's big pots or small pots. Just avoid letting Daniel be on the winning hand of too many big pots that he can catch up. Try to stay ahead. I mean, every time Doug wins a buy, like goes up a buy-in after a session. So whether he's up one buy-in, two buy-ins, three buy-ins, it just puts the comeback that much further out of reach um, until eventually you do have to open yourself up. And it's kind of what I talked about um, or what I've always talked about with my friends and stuff or anybody that'll listen, um, Tiger Woods in his heyday and what made him so dominant when he had a lead or the share of the lead going into the final round. He wasn't making mistakes. And you had the whole gallery that was following, cheering him along. So if you're one of those golfers that's ahead and you're going, you're teeing up and you hear the roar of the crowd and you're like, fuck, Tiger probably made a birdie or Tiger saved par, whatever the hell it is. It puts that pressure on you now to have to open up your game and go for it a little more. Now all of a sudden you're not waiting for Tiger to make a mistake and pounce. You're like, fuck, I got to go for it. I've got to be the one to take chances. And he was great at putting that kind of pressure on his opponents. Um, no different here, I think, in what we could see play out and what I kind of think is going to happen here and play out um, pending, some, you know, barring some kind of run good here by Daniel Negreanu. I think you're going to see a situation here where Doug is just going to try chip away, chip away, chip away. Daniel's going to have to open up. He's going to have to take some chances. Um, and you could see some just some monster versus monster hands. That again, if Daniel wins them, great. He put he chips away the lead. If Doug Polk wins them, great. He he extends the lead and just keeps putting it out of reach. Um, I think. Let's put it this way. I think if you get to the twenty-two thousand handish mark and Daniel's down by a million or more, I could see them calling the challenge. I could see Daniel just conceding and saying, "Hey, you know what? Fuck it. It's over. It's done. You win. Yeah, you get the better of me." You're going to go make some more YouTube videos about me. If it's close, I could see Daniel going... Well, I mean, if it's close, he's going to go for it. Um, he's a very proud poker player. Uh, unless we forget, you know, I kind of talked about the last time how, like, it has been a while since Mr. Negreanu's won a bracelet. Um, and actually, since I've been going and playing WSOP events, we've actually won the exact same number of bracelets. Zero. <laughs> but, uh, nonetheless... 
there's more to winning bracelets than being a great player. Um, and actually, funny enough, a lot of people, when Chris Ferguson a couple years ago had one player of the year, was going to do it without winning a bracelet. Um, had Sean Deeb won player of the year in 2019 to repeat and go back to back in 19 and 18, um, he actually would there was a road for him to do it uh, without winning a bracelet. He might have actually, ha- I think, you know, put had things have played out differently and and there was a little bit of controversy there had that controversy played out a little differently he might have gone for it might have actually taken that last event and won it while winning a bracelet but there was a road there for sean deep to repeat without winning a bracelet so it's about consistency and i've always talked about that um with poker uh it's about consistency it's about showing up and you know putting yourself in positions to win and then playing to win and letting the rest fall where it may um, Daniel Legrand, who has had a lot of runner-up finishes, a lot of final tables in the last few years. Uh, it just so happened. Like last year, he had a final table in the seven card st- 10K seven-card side against none other than Johnny World Hennigan. Um, Johnny World Hennigan, though, in my opinion, is just a better, is better right now than Daniel Legrand. Uh, it's not a knock on Legrand. It's just, in my opinion, it's kind of just fact. I, I, I think if you were to poll 100 knowledgeable people on poker they would say right now in the tournaments john hennigan is at a different level uh john hennigan might be consistently one of the best tournament players if not one of the just best overall players in the world right now um that's just reality of it uh and it's funny daniel even said you know his road to victory in that event was involving other people trying to take out uh john hennigan and not him doing it but uh regardless again uh he has been runner-up in a few events here so it's not like he's you know been out of contention on bracelets but at the same time he hasn't gotten it done other players have um and yes doug polk has won i believe it is three bracelets in the time period in this last time period where daniel hasn't won any so these are two very knowledgeable very accomplished poker players that know what they're doing and i think they have a good idea of what the other is going to do as well i don't think anything i'm saying here today it you know with them listening would be like, oh, never thought he would do that. No, no, no. I'm, I'm pretty sure they both have an idea of what the other one's going to do and it's how they're going to try and respond. I can't really see too many surprises strategy-wise either. Like, it's not like either one should really be surprised. If Daniel notices that Doug's playing tighter and trying to, you know, just prevent that lead from getting chipped away at, like, that shouldn't really be a surprise to him. And I think any talk that he might have trying to goad um, Doug into playing a little differently is exactly that. You're trying to bait him into talk, into playing differently. You're trying to trash talk him into playing differently. It's speech play involved. Um, but that's really all it is. He, he shouldn't be surprised. And, I, and I, I can tell you right now, he probably isn't surprised at how Doug's changed up his strategy. And at the same time, Doug knows Daniel has to open up. So if those opportunities do come up to land those big blows, he's going to take them. Uh, and that's how I see this playing out. And I just, again, barring a huge session here from Negranu, uh, I could see one of these next two sessions really dictating how this is going to go. So these next two sessions, these next couple of sessions, or I shouldn't say two, but these next few sessions are really going to be the important ones here as we kind of see how this plays out. Um, and who knows, they might only have a couple of sessions left, but it's really going to dictate how this plays out. So if there was a time to check it out, I would say now is really the time to really be following along, really checking it out as we kind of get down the wire here, um, as it will be the most exciting time of the challenge. Speaking of challenges, uh, as I'd said before, Phil Galfon won another one of his Galfon challenges. Um, yeah, so he wins. Wow. And he won big. 
Um, he won seven hundred thirty thousand as well as a two hundred fifty k side bet um, from Chance Corneth um, in PLO. Uh, so he now goes to three and one. Who did he beat? Uh, so he's beat Venaviti and Action Freak. I'm not sure if we know who the hell Action Freak is. Um, I guess he had played a smaller match. He did finally play against um, uh, Jungleman Cates. Um, but um, nonetheless, yeah, he had a big, big, big win um, against Chance Corneth. Uh you know, and it's not like Chance is at all any uh, isn't a slu- is, is any kind of sludge himself. Chance is a well-respected uh, poker player himself. Um, so just go like, I mean, Phil Galfond, um, kind of known for his Omaha mastery. As I had said, he had won. So I, th- I believe it's a PLO bracelet. He has a deuce to seven bracelet and a pot limit 08 bracelet. Uh, so Wide Libigar is one of the better PLO players now. Uh, maybe if not ever, uh, and that's kind of where this whole Galfon challenge started from. I guess to kind of prove his mastery of it. Nonetheless, goes up and a, a big win here. Uh, and wins a win. I've said that before. It doesn't matter um, whether you win by a million or in I think the Benavidi case, sixteen hundred. Um, it's which these challenges do have the potential to be so close that yes, the difference could literally be a big blind. It doesn't really change the fact hey it's wins a win in this case though it was a big win against chance corneth uh let's just see here um if i can find anything more on uh the updates here um regarding um exactly how they've played out so yes so um yeah, he has so the chance Corneth one is the most update. Yeah, so he wins seven hundred twenty-six thousand um, in and up um, in his challenge against Bill Perkins. I guess they played a couple of sessions, uh, and he was kind of pretty much up the entire. Like it, it seemed like it's pretty even here, and then yeah, and then uh, just kind of took off. So yeah, so and they haven't played what since April of last year yikes um but yeah Phil Galfon's up 90,000 against Bill Perkins again the $1600 win against uh, Benavidi um yeah took 100,000 euros from uh yeah so I guess the only major challenges so I don't know what this mini challenge that this other website is speaking of against uh, Jungleman Cates because as far as I can see on the run at once website he, there hasn't been anything against uh Jungleman or Brandon Adams um and it's both plo so it's plo in both actually i think every one of that it's a purely plo show i think he had said he was willing to play no limit hold'em but he'd wanted it to be plo but anyway um, i remember when he first announced the challenge it was like hey who's gonna take me up and regardless um he's backed it up he's shown up he's gone three and oh now according to them which i'm guessing assumes this mini challenge against jungle man um i don't know if bill perkins has surrendered his challenge or what it says here in progress um but let's assume um i don't know what that mini challenge that they speak of against jungle man cates is so he has um i guess six yeah six possible he's two and oh right now or i guess three sorry no he is three he is a full three and oh um, I apologize. So I guess that mini jungleman thing doesn't count. Sorry, his three wins are against Venavidi, Action Freak, and um, 
Chance Corneth. So he the best or the worst he could do is um, three and three, which is still not bad. I guess it depends on the losses. Um, looking at them right now, I don't know what Brandon Adams PLO kind of resume looks like. Um, I believe he did win a bracelet last year in an online uh, um, high roller. Or not last year, but uh, 2019. I think that might have been his first bracelet. Uh, but nonetheless, um, yeah, it's interesting here because the side bet is 150K of Galphon's money up to 100 uh, versus 100K of Brandon Adams. So it's a closer side bet there. Um, so I don't know. Maybe Brandon Adams is some PLO wizard. I don't know. Um, but against Jungleman Cates, uh, he is the jungle man, uh, widely respected, widely regarded as one of the high, as one of the better high stakes cash game players. Um, final table, the 29 poker players championship at the WSOP. So again, it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. That's a shorter duration challenge though than the rest of them. It's only seven and a half thousand, uh, challenge. The Brandon Adams one is an hours challenge of so 40 hours, which is kind of interesting too, because it'll be interesting to see how the, again, building a lead and now it's truly using the clock against the person so we'll see how that one plays out um but yeah so what was it Fifty thousand hands against bill perkins thirty-five thousand, uh and they only played twenty-five thousand uh of the hands uh him and chance corneth but uh regardless where's the venavidi one did how many hands was that twenty-five thousand. so same as the um What's his name? Uh, Negranu uh, Polk. So, yeah, so that's the other interesting challenge that has been going on. Other than that, I have not seen truly any other big news um, in poker. Um, uh, no real new announcements in terms of anything for the summer. I'm just going to pull up here and see if there's anything to be seen on uh, Poker News website. But... Uh, as far as live poker, there are some live events going on. Um, nowhere near what it once was or what was even planned and then canceled. Uh, I'm just going to see here. Schedule and results. Yeah. So uh, so we're having a few more series getting um, being announced, uh, including the Venetian. I was going to try and get into that. Uh, they are having a deep stack extravaganza, of course. Um, oh, and the wind just had one too. Um, and the wind's had that like a high roller series as well. It's kind of been going on behind the scenes. There's the Tampa poker open coming up. So as we kind of get into these, I'm looking here at March to see what there is there. Uh, it seems to kind of be the same players lack of a, uh, for lack of a better term in terms of, uh, kind of where they're at in, um, live poker uh the venetian kind of has been the big leader in that sense in terms of live poker series since the covid19 outbreak um but yeah they've even got a series scheduled uh they have a february one and a march one let's see if may if there's tentatively a wsop yeah no so nothing even there yet so things are starting are developing slowly but uh yeah so there is a uh, venetian deep stack extravaganza coming up i'm just on the D, uh, venetian website uh to see if they have any news or details there let's see i might even have an email uh here we go uh 
deep stack poker extravaganza. Here we go. View schedule. Uh, so it's running from February 2nd to the 28th. I'm just going to go through and see if there's anything uh, here as I give you guys. I just try to break down and tell you my thoughts on events. So one of the things I've noticed big time here with COVID-19, um, I can see both sides. You can see from the business standpoint of the casinos. I can also, from the players, see their frustrations. Um, but a lot of the guaranteed prize pools are down. Um you're not seeing as much of these, you know, $200 buy-ins for a $100,000 prize pool right now. Um, and I get you're just not getting the player volume. So the, the, the house is taking a huge loss in offering things like that. Um, but, I mean, there's still some decent prize pools. Like there's a $400 monster stack, uh, 30,000 starting shifts, 40-minute levels, 80K guaranteed prize pool. Like, you know, I don't know how many they're getting. Um, but yeah, to see a, a, a half a million dollar price, well, you're still laying out $2,500 um, buy-in. This one here I like, though, is there is a uh, $400 pot limit Omaha monster stack um, going on. Uh, it's a two, there's two day ones on uh, my, on Sunday, the fe February 21st, and Monday, February 22nd, um, which is kind of cool. So it's a $400 buy-in, uh, 30000 in starting chips with 40-minute levels. So that is pretty darn deep stacked, if, you, if uh, I may say so. Uh, and here you have a $600 ultimate stack, um, kind of towards the end of the event. You have 40,000 in chips, 40-minute levels, $200,000 prize. So yeah, so there's some some good valued events for sure. Um, still kind of happening, but yeah, you're not seeing maybe the exact same level of um, a buy and then they already have their March schedule out too. So uh, I'm just taking a look at the March events. Yeah, again, a $400 monster stack, same as the one in February. Um, this one's kind of an interesting one. Uh, $600 No Limit Hold'em Survivor, uh, where each of the field, or 10% of the field will just get $5,200 each. Um, which is kind of funny because usually it's a multiple of 10. So whatever you buy. But anyway, uh, they have a th an $1,100 event that has a $250,000 prize pool. Uh, $600 double stack. Here we go. So $600 double stack that has 40-minute uh, levels, 30,000 uh, starting chips, $200,000 prize pool there. Um, oh, cool. They have a $300 monster stack, freeze out, one entry only, 15,000 guaranteed prize pool. So again, there would have been a time when you would have even seen that one maybe getting closer to the twenty dollars and $30,000 prize pool range. But again, COVID has changed a lot of that. Uh, oh, here you go. Um, this one excites me. A $365 no limit hold a monster stack. 15% uh, of the field paid with 5% advancing to day two. Uh, with a $200,000 prize pool, 30 and 40 minute levels, uh, $30,000 starting, or 30,000 uh, starting chips. Um, oh, huge! So yeah, so here you go. So it has one, two, three, five starting days or starting flights. Um, <clears throat> so I imagine it's not a freeze out. Uh, but yeah, so that's pretty cool. So there's a lot going on. The Venetian is trying to, I guess, trying to bring live poker for those that want to play, for those you know. However you may feel about COVID, for those that still want to go and play live poker, that still might be grinding out a living, who still might be trying to make some money at this, um, they're still trying to be up and running. 
Uh, so there is some live poker for those of you that are in the Vegas region or can get to the Vegas region. Again, I'm not going to tell you either way. Don't go or go. That's not what I'm here for. I'm just telling you what there is available and giving you my take. So in terms of structures and stuff, there are some very exciting structured events, um, which again, just to keep yourself sharp even. Like, just even from that perspective, uh, there's a $5,000 WPT Venetian event. So that's kind of interesting with a $1.5 million guaranteed prize pool, 60-minute levels, 40,000 starting chips. So, uh, and I guess a chance to be on the WPT Champions Trophy, which is really cool. Uh, so, yeah. So there's that event as well. Um, chance to get, so, yeah. Depends. Um, to all of you out there that are playing, best of luck to you. Stay safe, stay healthy, um, and we're all going to get through this hopefully together here. Or we'll, we'll all hopefully uh, get through this. Uh, I know it's challenging times, it's tough times, um, but hopefully this kind of lightens up the mood a little bit for you, talking some poker, letting you know that uh, there's some poker being played out there. Um, down in Seminole Hard Rock, I think they just had an event. Um, I heard or saw on Instagram that Commerce Casino out in LA is going to open up their outdoor gaming to have poker um, outside, uh, which is kind of cool. Like I kind of I'm like, whoa, that's kind of interesting. So yeah, uh, let's see here. The yeah, the wind had some interesting events too. Look at this: a $600 no limit hold and 200k guaranteed. That just would have just happened. So yeah, the, the wind's offering some events. They closed their room for a long time. They're back open. Um, I believe there are some daily events that are still going on around town in Vegas. I know up here in Winnipeg, as far as I understand, uh, and I mean, we're under quite strict lockdowns and stuff here. Um, there is no live poker really being played um, other than, I guess, the people you're living with. <laughs> but other than that, yeah, no, there's uh, – it's uh, – the days of, on, of, of live poker are just, you know, hopefully around the corner for a lot of us. Um you know, my personal take is I'd like it to come back sooner than, rather than later. I'd like to be able to play live poker sooner rather than later, but uh, I'm not going to risk uh, the health of those around me, um, and I'm in no rush to get back. So uh, we'll see how this plays out, um, and it'll be interesting to see. Maybe as vac you know, as more vaccines become available, as more people are getting vaccinated, uh, that I think will be the indicator. Um, I would say going into March. I would say March is going to give us the best indication as to where we stand going into the summer uh, in terms of any of the big summer poker series. And remember, too, for a lot of places, there are travel bans and travel restrictions. Uh, we're fa we have tons of travel restrictions up here in Canada. And constantly, every day, we're getting warned, like, hey, they're about to get tighter. They could be getting tighter. Don't travel. So for me right there, I'm not going to go travel somewhere and then get stuck there. Um, I do have brand new baby boy. Um, I do have my family to think about. I'm just not going to do that. That's the most incredibly selfish thing I could do. Uh, so no, uh, this is kind of a way of saying, hey, time for poker to take a break. I get it. It is what it is. Um, but uh, nonetheless, uh, for those of you that may be living in Las Vegas and might live near Las Vegas, can get to Vegas, there is poker being played there. Uh, I don't think, yeah, anywhere in Canada, really, there's live poker, to be perfectly honest. Um I don't think Playground has anything going on. Like, we can look it up. Playground.ca. Uh, um, they have a bit of an interesting website. I, I, I know I've had issues opening. Yeah. A fall announcement. Uh, yeah. So, the, the website's still saying that the doors are closed. Um, 
effective Sunday, October fourth. So they've been closed for a couple of months now. I don't. I just don't see them opening up. Uh, I don't think anywhere there's live poker, live gaming, anywhere um, in Canada right now. So it just is what it is. We'll get through this. Um, what I hope though. And the only way I have about kind of poker kind of post-COVID is that, yes, everything ships online because maybe it's it, it ends up being more cost-friendly, whatever it might be, more profitable. Um, but I've long said, and I think this is kind of the last subject I'm going to talk on, live poker is very different than online poker. Um, to me, live poker's always had that true sense of competition. That true sense of you go to the arena, you show up, you battle hard, and the best person wins. Um, online poker things are different. You're in the, you know, you can be in the comfort of your home. You can have your friends around. You can have other poker players with you, helping you out, whatever it might be. It's just the nature of the beast. It's a very different game and endeavor and undertaking, in my opinion, live versus online. I think live they were going to continue to put or sorry online yeah there's going to still be a presence and possibly that's going to continue to expand could the wsop continue to have their online circuits and things like that of course they could um and they very well might um but live poker is a very different thing and yeah there's some infrastructure issues and yeah there's you know capacity and needing to have the staff and venues and all these things but it is very different from online poker um and some people have their choice some people prefer online some people are thriving right now some people are like fuck yeah this is awesome everything's online i'm an online fucking wizard i'm just gonna go and crush it other people are like fuck i hate online i don't like um you know some of the issues i've talked about with it they feel like you know hey people being able to have the hand histories people being able to have friends people being able to have solvers all these things these things kind of you know a lot of people feel destroy the integrity of the game um so therefore yeah you have some issues there therefore well what are you gonna do so it kind of is what it is um but nonetheless um I think they're both going to, I think online is better positioned to kind of um, continue to get a push coming out of this. Um, but again, uh, my hope is that it doesn't just all shift to online, that you lose live poker. Uh, and especially as I hear more and more kind of rumblings and, and, and people telling me that, you know, yet another casino's closed or another poker room is just filled with slot machines. Um, I'm hoping that remains a temporary thing and doesn't just become permanent in the way of the future i really want to see live poker come back come back with a boom uh, i'm excited to get back to the felt um but anyway it is what it is we'll just wait and see nobody really knows i don't think anybody unless you're an executive with the absolute power to you know one of the powers that be that has absolute decision making authority nobody fucking knows right now we're all kind of waiting in limbo to see uh, how this all shapes out and how this plays out, I can just say what I hope happens, and I just hope live poker comes back and uh, is even bigger and better than what it once was. But nonetheless, I do thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast, and again, thank you so much for the continued and growing support here on the Seems Legit Podcast. If you aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the dude Sunny D. I thank you so much. Take care and bye bye for now.